I'm Michelle, certified personal trainer and certified nutrition coach. And I'm Marissa, and I'm a certified nutrition coach and group fitness instructor. And this is the Strong and Simple Podcast. We're tackling the latest fads, trends, and hot topics in the nutrition, wellness, and fitness industries using science and conversation to bust myths and give you the information you need to navigate the bullshit. Tune in for your twice a week truth bombs every Tuesday and Friday. We, Michelle Farrell and Marissa Zabo of the Strong and Simple Podcast, reside on Pawtucket land. We acknowledge the land and the Pawtucket people, as well as the land and the people of the many Native nations of whom the land belongs. To respect and honor them and their land, as well as to be mindful of the harm colonialism has and continues to do on the Indigenous people of the United States and the world. This land acknowledgement is our commitment to support Indigenous peoples and their voices in the struggle against systemic oppression and for human rights, as well as to push against the cancelling and erasure of their history, their stories, their culture, and their present. We encourage you to visit native-land.ca to discover whose land you are residing on, as well as ways to support Indigenous folks. Hey, hey, everybody, it is Michelle, and this is another mini-sode of the Strong and Simple podcast. I am so excited to have you here with me today, and I hope that you are also excited for this topic. (laughs) This is a topic that I've been meaning to record for an episode for a while, but other uh, more pressing topics, I guess, have kind of come up ahead of time. So... What is this topic you are asking? Well, it is all about nutrition and fitness tracking. And is this inherently bad or is it better? And um, like some other things we have discussed here on the Strong and Simple podcast, the fitness and nutrition world, especially on social media, is by design very polarizing meaning there is not a lot of folks that are kind of talking in the gray areas, in the nuanced areas, which is actually where most of the best advice actually comes from. Because as human beings, our lives are not typically spent in polar, like very polarizing ways, right? And, um, but that's not necessarily what sells or gets folks attention on social media or um, what ends up being what people necessarily Google, right? And it's really important in order for folks to be able to find coaches and trainers that when they do the Google, we pop up in your Google search, right? So you may have you may have actually landed here today because you Googled nutrition tracking, is it bad? Or you may have Googled, um, should I track my macros, right? That may have led you here somehow in a roundabout way. So let's dig into this because it is a mini-sode. 
we know I love to talk. Well, we know as long as this isn't your first time here. So is nutrition tracking bad? You will find a lot of people on the interwebs that say that tracking your nutrition is going to create disordered eating. It's bad. You should not do it, etc. And then you're going to find other folks on the other polarized end that say you should always be tracking your calories or macros. This is how you lose or maintain weight. This is how you make sure that you're eating enough, right, for your training. And so in nutrition, I think that tracking or journaling can be and both. What do I mean by that? In my opinion, as a nutrition coach, as long as you are able to recognize if somebody has an eating disorder by there's just, you know, having a conversation with your client, with the person you're working with, with the person I'm working with, and then refer out to an appropriate medical professional for said eating disorder or disordered eating, then likely tracking or journaling your food, especially in the short term, is probably going to be not harmful. But again, this is nuanced and this is complex. And this is why individualized nutrition coaching can be very, very useful for many folks. And again, remember that any advice I'm giving here is not individualized advice, and it is most definitely not medical advice because I am not a medical professional. However, for many people who have lived in a very, very rigid, rule-based dieting world, journaling can give us some very helpful insights into how foods make us feel when we feel hungry, actually learning what hunger feels like, learning what fullness feels like, recognizing what foods we actually enjoy and which ones we've been eating because they were on some what you should be eating food list. I also find that tracking, particularly protein intake, fiber intake, and even carbohydrate intake can be very life-changing for many folks who are strength training, and or doing some sort of endurance or cardio also in addition to strength training and then also living fairly active lives who have been living most of the time in a world of restriction and diets and might possibly be not eating enough, especially protein and carbohydrates to be 
allowing our bodies to respond to the training that we are doing in the lives that we are living in a beneficial way. All right. And we don't know, especially if we've been following a meal plan or following, you know, always shoving our foods into little containers or always, you know, weighing every little bite, lick and taste, right? We may have really lost that connection to what we're eating and what makes us actually feel fueled, makes us feel satisfied and what we enjoy. Okay. So sometimes tracking or journaling can be really useful. Likewise, sometimes it can be not useful if we are just further perpetuating micromanaging of every single bite, lick, and taste. Sorry, that is a well, I don't know why I'm saying sorry, but um, it's very ingrained piece of diet culture in my life that everything that passed my lips was going to end up on my hips. So I better fucking track it, right? That, in my opinion, is not super beneficial for overall wellness, especially for the long term. Now, if you are somebody who is competing for a very specific athletic event or a figure competition or a bodybuilding competition, you are probably going to have to micromanage your nutrient intake to that kind of level. But let me tell you a little secret. That kind of micromanaging is not supposed to last long-term. It's supposed to be for a very short amount of time to get not sustainable results. Okay. And I'm very grateful that folks in the fitness modeling industry, in the acting industry, that folks in the bodybuilding and fitness competitor um, industry and world are talking about this more because it can lead folks who are not necessarily living in that world, trying to follow those plans, thinking they're supposed to look like that at 8% body fat or whatever forever. <laughs> and for most people, that's just not going to be sustainable or healthy, especially emotionally, mentally, socially. Okay. So tracking your nutrition can be useful when we are trying to make sure that we are eating enough, especially protein, fiber, carbohydrates. Okay can also be useful to help us gain some insight into perhaps when we're feeling in control or when we're feeling not in control, when we are eating past comfortable fullness, when we're trying to relearn what it feels like to be hungry or full, 
all right? But also it should not be something that perpetuates on and on and on and on and on forever. You don't and shouldn't be, in my opinion, tracking every single thing that you eat in my fucking fitness pal for the rest of your life. Also, please do not follow the recommended caloric intake of my fitness pal because it's probably substantially underestimating what you, especially if you are an active human, especially if you are an active woman over 40, it is probably setting your caloric intake way too low for what you actually need to be making progress with your strength training and or endurance training, okay? So that being said, what about fitness trackers? I feel the same way. You can gain a lot of insight from a fitness tracker. It is also very easy to become overly reliant on what said tracker is telling you that you then lose connection to what your body is telling you. And one of these things is, first of all, of all the things a fitness tracker of all the data it could be giving you, the one that most people think is most important that is actually the least important and the least reliable or accurate is the calories, all right? The amount of calories that you are burning on your calorie tracker, I mean, on your fitness tracker, just like the calorie count on any piece of cardio equipment that you're using at the gym is probably not accurate at all, especially with strength training. And, you know, this goes into also why a lot of, especially women tend to not strength train. They think that, um, it's not burning enough calories. Therefore it's not valuable. And that is bullshit. And that is diet culture. And our purpose here in life is not just to burn calories. Strength training is so valuable, especially as we get older, to living our most mobile, independent lives as we age. And the fact that we think that we need to just keep losing weight and we need to keep burning calories, that that is what is most important is the patriarchy speaking, all right? So just, <clears throat> excuse me, if you are over-relying on your calorie tracker to be telling you how, I mean, your fitness tracker, see, I did it again. Your fitness tracker be telling you how many calories you're burning, then it might be time for a break from your fitness tracker. Excuse me. Likewise, if you are obsessively counting to get to 10,000 steps a day and you're walking around in circles in your bedroom before you go to bed, you are 
likely needing a break from said tracker. I am all for having goals. I am all for getting more movement into your life. I am all for a daily walk. These are all great things for our overall wellness. But when we start freaking out that we did not hit 10,000 steps a day, which is an arbitrary number, and that is a whole different episode for another day. When we are obsessively walking around, we're now disrupting our sleep schedule. We should be getting ready for bed, but instead we're walking around in circles, making ourselves dizzy, trying to hit this number. Like, what is the point of that? We should be seeking to be getting up and moving throughout the day. To stretch our legs, to get our blood flowing. It helps our brain. It helps our muscles. It helps our joints, right? Getting that last thousand steps or 500 steps at the end of the day is not going to make or break you. So if you find yourself becoming overly consumed with hitting a certain number every day like that, then it might be time for a break from your tracker. Okay. So where trackers, fitness trackers can be really useful. Fitness trackers can be really useful to give you data about your sleep and your stress levels. We know that sleep is really important for overall wellness. It's important for cognition. It is important for anxiety and depression management. It is important for recovery from our workout and training sessions. Stress management, again, really, really important for our overall wellness, physically and mentally. So there are certain trackers like the WHOOP. <laughs> it always makes me laugh every time I say that. But that are specifically for sleep and stress tracking, right? Um, to help you with your training recovery so that you can then continue to make progress with your training. Other things that can be really useful is if you are endurance training, if you are training for a triathlon or you're training for a 10K or you are really focused in on your cardiovascular training and you want to make note of progress with your resting heart rate, heart rate monitoring can be a really useful tool for HIIT workouts and for um, endurance training. So again, that has nothing to do with calories. This has to do with monitoring when you're training in certain zones, um, trying to get your heart rate up to a zone and then recovering, right? Like in interval training. So heart rate monitoring can be useful on your fitness trackers. What else? And I do think that there can be value in monitoring your overall trends with overall movement throughout the day. I wear a tracker now. I did not wear a tracker for many years. And I did start to use a tracker with steps during the pandemic at the shutdown when I, so you may or may not know I'm also a teacher. 
So I am frequently on my feet. And even though I do mostly um, evaluations and meetings at this point, I'm still going into classrooms and I'm walking back and forth from my office to the main office and things like that. So I'm pretty active throughout my day when I'm at work. And then when the shutdown came, I was home and all my meetings were virtual and I do not have a huge home. So the most walking I was doing, except when I was going out for my daily walks, was maybe from my bedroom to the kitchen and then from the kitchen, maybe to the garage and then back inside, right? So I found it really useful to just make sure that I was moving throughout the day for 5,000 to 10,000 steps a day, because that is really what's recommended, what most of the research is showing. I believe it's 4,000 steps a day increases your overall wellness. And then like it kind of bottoms out around seven or 7,500. But the more you're moving, it's not going to hurt you, right? Um, but at some point, the like research-based evidence about getting the more steps, the better, like the benefits start to just kind of plateau out. Again, another episode for another day. However, I am not... If I hit 9,400 steps and it's time for bed, I am going to bed. Now, this is not how I always was because I used to have to hit my 10,000 steps and I would walk around in circles until I hit said steps. Now I am in a place where when I hit that 9,400 steps, it's time for bed. I brush my teeth. I go to bed. It is what it is. That's how many steps I got that day. Maybe the next day I get 10,200 steps and now it's all averaged out, right? So if you are able to utilize your tracking your, your tracker in a way that to give you some objective information and data that you can then use to help you for your overall wellness and or for your training sessions, then I think that they can give you some really useful information. The sim similarly, that in some cases, journaling about your food and or tracking certain things can be useful in a short-term sort of way. It's really all about how you are using the information that you are gathering and noticing if you are starting to become overly consumed with that data and overly obsessive with that data. And if said data is then dictating your mood and your interactions with food and movement, okay? Because there is also this, um, like as human beings, movement, and food and our relationship with those are not always going to be linear and they're going to ebb and flow and there's going to be seasonalities to our movement and there's going to be seasonalities with how we are eating and what we are eating and this is normal and this is how we should be interacting with food and fitness tracking 
trackers can give us important data, but when that data overrides or becomes more important to us than the feedback our actual body is giving us, or we lose connection to that feedback that our body is giving us, that's a big sign that the tracking and or tracker is no longer benefiting us, but could actually be harming us. So in summary, is fitness and nutrition tracking bad? Not necessarily. Is fitness and nutrition tracking good? Not necessarily. <laughs> it all depends on how you are using that information and how it is potentially impacting your relationship with movement and food. And again, and I've said this in past episodes, this is one of the huge reasons having a coach, even if you know all the information that you're supposed to know, having a coach can really help you kind of navigate tracking. And if you need to be doing it or should be doing it or want to do it or not, right? Because there are all these nuances and gray areas that having somebody else to guide us through those conversations can be really, really useful. A coach is not somebody to tell you what to do. It's somebody to help guide you and have conversations with you to work through some of these more nuanced topics like tracking. So I hope that this was helpful for you. If you have questions, please join the conversation over on our Instagram, Strong and Simple Podcast, or email us at strongandsimplepodcast at gmail.com. We really love to hear from you. We love the conversations that have been starting and having over on the gram and on the blog. So please join us there as well if you are comfortable. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Strong and Simple Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. We love you and appreciate you so much. This has been an episode of the Strong and Simple Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the topics we've discussed or about any of our guests, please make sure that you visit us on Instagram at Strong and Simple Podcast. And if there's ever any topics, questions, concerns, anything that you would like to suggest to us, please feel free to email us at strongandsimplepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. content of this podcast represents the views and opinions of Michelle Farrell, Marissa Zabo, and their guests, and is not intended to be individualized advice or recommendations. Nothing in this episode is to be construed as medical advice or to substitute for individualized fitness or nutrition advice. Always consult with the appropriate professional for your own needs.